here. Welcome to the Occupational Safety Leadership Podcast. We have Drew Hinton, and this is episode number 59. Drew, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing, David? Doing great. Doing great. So as I was driving home, I started I started thinking about how I'm training, training my dog and I'm doing things. And of course, I was thinking about how they talk about the positive uh, training aspects and the negative. And then I was thinking about training people and how at times I think I did a really good job. And at other times I left people with like a starry glazed look. And I wasn't exactly sure I really got through to them. Um, when I was young, I chalked it up to I'm super brilliant and smart. But as I get older, I'm like, I probably didn't use the right language. I didn't tell tell, tell, tell a good story. I didn't do something to really kind of get their attention. So I'd like to sit yeah. down and talk about, you know, like what you think makes a really good, uh, a really good trainer out there. Absolutely. Okay. So Drew, what tips or tricks do you have that you think that you could share with the audience on how to be a real good trainer? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, just being blunt, I mean, safety is one of those, is one of the industries we really have to pay attention to engaging our audience. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of the tougher crowds. It's it's usually people are getting forced into these trainings. They're not going here willingly. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, us us mm-hmm. as safety professionals, we go and do professional development, and we try to go and do things. But you know, the frontline workers, maintenance workers, operations, whatever it is, usually doesn't. So, you know, one thing is just understanding your understanding your audience, right? So, even from adult class to adult class is one thing, right? So I I explain things when I'm when we're doing a, a train the trainer course, for example. You know, we explain that, you know, I'm going to teach active shooter. I'll teach it at my, my daughter's, my 12 year old daughter's school. I want to teach that completely different way than I'm teaching it at, you know, an uh, industrial workplace, right? Because we're right. talking about different people. I'm not even, I'm not even going to tell a 12 year old to even consider the option of fighting back. I'm just going to tell her to run out the door and go out the window, whatever, whatever option you have. But we have to uh, adapt to that crowd. So, I mean, if we're, if we're dealing with all maintenance workers, if we're dealing with frontline workers, we're doing with the C suite you know, personnel, everybody's a little bit different. And so, you know, when we're, we're catering our training, we're developing our training programs, we really have to, as part of our learning objectives, figure out who, what is, who is our audience, right? So, you know, one of the things we always stress is kind of the ABCs of your learning objectives is the very first one is A is your audience, right? So we, who are we, who are we catering it to? And then we get into the, the B is your behavior. So what are we having them do? C for conditions and S for standards. But I think the big thing is just figuring out who it is and then even diving deeper into if, is it a refresher or is it an initial training? You know, if you're going through an, a refresher training, there's no sense. I mean, some some topics we have to, but there's really no sense in having them go through an entire class that they could probably teach back to you already. Right. So right, right. If, if, if they are educated and we know they've been doing it for years, I'm not saying pencil whip by any means, but, you know, we we, we can you know, get straight to the point with people that have been through the class five, six, seven times. You know, there's no sense in wasting their time or hours that we could be doing something else. You know, safety professionals, all we do is sit behind the desk, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it feels that same exact way. Uh, I know, I know that uh, there was a time that uh, I was going to give two separate talks and I was like, you know, I'm just going to come up with one single presentation. I'm not going to worry, worry, worry then about it. And uh, 
I gave it two separate times. And one time it was just to the people, the greatest thing they had ever heard. And the second time it was probably the worst thing that they had ever heard. And I totally skipped that whole audience aspect because to me, I was busy and I was just knocking this out as quick as I could. I'm already working 60 or 70 hours and I'm like, okay, done. Good enough. You know, and now right. that I'm, and now that I'm older and uh, failed, failed, uh, failed a couple of times. I, I uh, realized that by taking a, by taking a shortcut, you know, I didn't give somebody some really good training, you know, now luckily it's just a little half an hour class here, half an hour class there. But uh, boy, if you mm -hmm. did that for a eight hour course, uh, you would really be in some big trouble, you know. People be sticking toothpicks in their eye. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So have you found that some, some topics are easier to teach than uh, others out there? Yeah. I mean, and plus it may kind of go back to just what we specialize in, but really once you get the hands on, people start getting really, really engaged. So for, you know, for, for me, myself and myself, as an example, you know, I'm doing hazmat training, hazwalker training, confined space, entry and rescue classes. You know, those things are going to get a lot more engagement because they're up moving around. They're setting up equipment versus, you know, you made me think of one a minute ago at a, a previous employer. I was, I was teaching a uh, uh, drug and alcohol <clears throat> awareness class. And so I remember a, a person making a statement at the beginning of the class was, you know, does Drew not think that we know? how to identify smelling smoking pot like did you not think we don't know that what it smells like and you know, bloodshot eyes and at the end of the course i came back to him i was like well was it everything you thought it'd be he's like no he's <laughs> like you went a lot more in depth than i thought it was and so <laughs> you know, even some of those smaller classes if we if we cater it right that you're typically you know not as engaging as far as hands-on activities and practicals you know we, we can make those and, and make those fun and uh, entertaining as much as possible without you know, like I said, going out in the shop or going out in the in the work environment and doing some stuff. But like I said, any for you know, for me, from my experience, anything hands-on is going to be a lot more, um, easy, a lot easier to get people engaged and get people participating and actually wanting to do those particular skills. Right, 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 right. So before that, you do these uh, hand hands-on skills. Do you do you go and look at all the stuff first to make sure? I because once I uh I went to a, I. I went to a place and we were going to do this forklift, forklift training, and it was awesome and it was great. And we went out to go do the hands-on and they didn't have a seatbelt on this thing, you know, like right, oh. from, the, right from the, right from the, the get-go, you know, they told me everything was awesome and it's great. And the forklift's almost new and it was, and somebody took off the seatbelt, of course, you know, on it. Right. So, so that's a time that I wish I, I really went on site. I looked at everything first, not just talk to somebody over the phone and say, yep, I'll be down there. I can do it. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm actually uh, just ran into that recently. We were teaching a class um, at a customer site. And we were doing a mobile loading work platform training, operator training, and they got a, a rental area lift in. So they didn't have one of their own, so they rented one. And most people assume that if a rental company, you know, if get one from a reputable company, United Rentals, all these other big ones out there, that it's going to be okay. Well, this wasn't a big one. This is kind of a, a smaller rental company. Um, not going to drop any names or anything, but they, they, we started going out and doing the inspection on it, the pre-shift, the pre-use inspection on it. And there was like two or three different things. It didn't have any user's manual. It didn't have X, Y, and Z on there. We're like, uh oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so thankfully we were able to get another one, but we use that as, you know, we turned it into a learning point of, okay, this is the importance of, 
you know, especially getting rental vehicle, rental equipment, if we're checking these things out before it gets off the trailer, or once it gets off the trailer, we're checking it out before we're signing it off. But absolutely, to your point, right? So you get out there and we need to inspect these things before we're doing training. Um, you know, if I'm scheduling a class, I'm, you know, working with them as much as I can, you know, through emails, through phone calls and saying, hey, what kind of equipment do you have? And then I'll always get, I'll always get there early on so I can scope out the area before I do the training. But if possible, I try to get there the day before uh, and go up there and make sure if there are any issues that we can get those addressed. So like you said, something that even is, as seemingly small as a, as a seatbelt is still a requirement to, to make sure that we're wearing that. So, you know, if I'm sitting there making you operate a forklift or make, you know, without a seatbelt, then, you know, that kind of comes back on me as a liability because I'm, I'm teaching you that it's okay, essentially, to go and operate that without it. Right, 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 right. Luckily, we were able to find a second one that, you know, it operated enough at least, you know, but they kept on brag, <laughs> bragging about this brand new forklift that they had. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So when you do things like uh, confined space, do you bring your own uh, atmospheric monitors or have the company have, have theirs so that the people can really get the good hands-on training? We do both. Um, so we always try to bring our stuff that way. We, we always focus on what they have, but we also supplement it with what we have as well. That way, you know, if they're in the market looking for something, we, we let them get their hands on other models and other, and just also see how things operate differently. So, you know, for example, you know, a confined space rescue class we did, uh, the 24 hour rescue class about a month ago or so. And we're having them take it up, take all these, you know, for example, RKI meters, they don't have those things, but I have taking it apart, looking at the sensors on these things and seeing how it differs from an MSA, from a ray meter, all these different types of models. So we try to focus as much as possible on what they have and let them use it because that's what, at the end of the day, that's what they're going to be using on a daily basis, right? So, um, but we're supplementing it that way they can see what's out there. Like I said, if they want to improve in something, they like to say, hey, we like this. But one thing that we also like to do is uh, we have a training simulator, a HASSIM training simulator. So it's pretty, it's pretty handy to be able to go through like, you know, confined space or hazmat, hazmat for trainings, and you can actually simulate readings rather than just, you know, that was one thing I, at the fire department we all, we always did, and uh, I hated it myself, was, you know, we go through a training, and, and they would just come up to tap us on the shoulder, or they have a sign up that says, your your air readings are this. I'm like, that's not very realistic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. So that's as much similar as we can get. It's like with, the, with these devices, we, we can go in there and we can actually – simulate the readings, make the alarms go off, all these different things and make it more realistic. Um, cool. And they had, and they got interfaces to where you can put like a, you know, a Draeger interface or an MSA array to make it look like your screen on there. So it makes it, makes it pretty neat for the user. Oh yeah. 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 Because then somebody has to actually stop and stop and think and not just say, Oh yeah, I'm good. You know? Yep. Oh, absolutely. Very good. Very good. Very good. How about the, um, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get the right word for it. The uh, cherry, the cherry, cherry pickers. Is that something that you're covering too? Yeah, absolutely. So we go through all different classes of it. And, and especially when we get to, you know, train the trainer por course portions of it as well. Right. So we go over the different models of, of those types of pattern nestle trucks and even getting to the specifics on, you know, these particular models, you got to have fall protection training as well, right? So mm -hmm. going in addition as in, you know, especially when we're telling the trainers that we're train the trainer courses that, hey, we need to make make sure you tell them that this is a prerequisite because I'm teaching you to operate a power industrial truck, a cherry picker. 
I'm not teaching how to throw on a harness. You know, you should already have that prior prior to going in there. But absolutely, and that's kind of one of those one of those topics that not everybody has exposure to, right? So not everybody has right. exposure to a cherry a cherry picker. You know, compared to a common sit down forklift that way they can operate in a warehouse setting or outside or really anything. Right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about some other uh, things that you've uh, kind of picked up, some other tips tips and uh, uh, tricks then, you know. Is there is there anything else that maybe that you'd like to tell the uh, audience? Yeah, I, I think more of it comes into planning than people realize. Um, I took a, a, a previous employer, we went through a, an eight-week leadership class, and some of they went through everything from safety related topics to HR, you know, interviewing skills, all these different things. And one of the things that really has stuck with me and has proven to be more beneficial to me than I, I ever thought it would be was were those learning objectives. And so, you know, it's it's on the front end of things. And we we typically will, will throw a class together or or even worse, we just kind of go off what the previous safety manager had and just assume that it's at its effective. And we go from there. We don't really look at what are we trying to accomplish out of this training. Again, it's it's one thing to say is a refresher or initial, but what do I want them to do? What do I want that person to be able to do? You know, is it, you know, for example, did power initial truck tra- operator training at a uh, Anheuser-Busch distri- you know, distributor down in Houston, Texas? And it's, you know, one of their skills is how to load the side of these beer trucks going in from the side versus going into the 53-foot trailer, you know, from the back end. It's right. a completely different game because you got to put it in these small compartments. So, we're developing these learning objectives and you always tell people to develop those, those using air culture smart objectives. Um, but that helps us plan out what we want to achieve. And, and you, you can look at, to help you figure out what you want to get out of it. You can look at, uh, for example, like NFPA has a lot of what they call job performance requirements, JPRs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for example, you know, get back to confined space, like air monitoring, it's, you know, they'll have what they call a gas tester as a person doing it. And it says the gas tester has to have, these these skills be able to demonstrate these skills and have this knowledge and be able to, to you know accomplish these particular set of you know skills and these conditions so we can now take that develop our learning objectives and then make sure that one it's included in our content and make sure that it's in there that i'm actually covering what i want to cover and then two at the very end of it we summarize that and say hey here's the objectives here's what we covered and that gives the get it gives the student a, a time to ask questions and say hey we didn't really cover that or even worse, you skipped over that portion. Can we go, can we go back to that and take a look at it? Um, so, I, I mean, I think a lot of the, the pre-planning of the courses is something that people, you know, don't really take into consideration, or at least from my experience, um, and, and put as much emphasis on it. Like I said, they'll, you know, either A, you buy a pre-canned course and you assume it's good, or B, you just, you know, copy and paste or, you know, snap pictures from the internet and put it on there. But we're, we're just, we're going through the standard and looking at it, saying, okay, I got to train them on these topics, and that's all I'm going to do it. So we really need to figure out how am I going to make that happen, right? So OSHA just tells you what we have to do, but I, it's up to me to figure out how I'm going to make that happen. Right, right, right. And I really liked um, when you sit down and also look look at, so so what's the skill that they have to learn from this? So I've gone to a lot of places where somebody says, and at the end, I want my people to say that they've been trained in in the following topics, you know, and that's awesome and that's great. But does it really does it really apply to what you're doing in the workplace or is it you're worried about covering covering your butt, you know, in the future? And you can say, see, look, I got I got my I got my sign in sheet, you know, and all that stuff. Right. Right. Too. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. 
Yeah, I bet you that has to be really hard for those guys to get that beer just right also. (laughs) 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 And with glass, it's probably not very uh, forgiving either. So you probably got to be real gentle and get it right in there then. How about anything else that you'd like to uh, discuss about uh, about training? Because I was thinking thinking about my dog. Of course, we all always talk about positive and negative. And do you reward somebody? How do you how do you correct somebody when they're doing a, a a training class or obviously doing something wrong, but they're in a big public setting and all their peers mm-hmm. are watching them too? Do you have any tips or tips or tips or tricks to that? Yeah, I mean, I've always kind of went off the philosophy of, and unless it's something that's like life-threatening, like I've got to stop you right now while you're doing something, you're getting ready to cause, you know, kind of what OSHA's terminology, imminent danger, right? Somebody's either getting ready to get hurt, seriously, or killed, then absolutely I'll, I'll call them out right there on the spot to make sure we stop it. But, you know, I've always kind of followed the, you know, the praise in public, you know, I hate to use the word punish in private, but that's kind of the philosophy is, you know, and if you're doing really good, let people know, hey, you're doing really good. But like I said, I don't like, I don't really like the the kind of connotation of punish, but it kind of just makes it a good saying. But in private is when we're going to start working with them and saying, saying, hey, here's, you know, here's here's the evaluation I just did on your forklift operator, for example. Here's the evaluation I just did on you. Here's where we messed up, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take some time with you after the class, and we're gonna go through this again. We're gonna let everybody else run through. That's and that's also something that we can plan out, right? So if I'm doing an operator class is. Typically, I'll, the way I'll structure my evaluations is I'll have the more senior operators that I know have been through it. I'll have them go first and then have the people that are a little bit less experienced go last. That way I can spend some more time working with them. And the other people that's been through it 20 times and they, they're just ready to get back to work, they don't have to necessarily wait on us. They can get it done and, and, and be, go on to their, about their day. And I can spend more time with the people that are a little bit less experienced. Um, so, I mean, again, if it's something that's, you know, like I said, life-threatening or serious injury is about to happen, then I'll absolutely call them out. But, you know, if you, know, you definitely need to address it. So as a, as a trainer, you know, we, make, we, we have to make sure that they are hitting all the criteria in order to pass that class or pass the operator evaluation, whatever, whatever criteria we've set. But we also need, in order to do so, we also need to make sure that we are correcting them on any, any deficiencies. Because if we don't, and we just sign off and say, you know, I've seen, I've been to classes where you never even see the, you take a test at the end and then you never see your score after the class <laughs> uh, is over. So you go and you never know what you got right or what you got wrong. And so, you know, something's even as simple as that. If, you know, we're taking the test, the written exam at the end of the class, we go over it. Every time we met, if I get different answers, we're stopping and we're explaining it. It's like all of our, all of our answer sheets on our test have, uh, on have the exact you know citation where it came from, you know OSHA 1910-146, paragraph K to triple I whatever. Mm-hmm. So that way we can pull it up and say okay here's 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 where this answer came from and we can make sure that they understand it. And then you know we go through the process of making sure that before they leave they're good with everything that, that has been covered. You know if, if you know at that at that point if they just don't want to speak up because you know they just don't want to feel stupid or whatever it is then. You know, there's really there's, like I can't force a person to say something, right? Right. But uh, we, right, got, right. we need to give them every opportunity in order to do so. And then, you know, just even just simply staying after class 15, 20 minutes, you know, that way, if, if they want to hang out and wait till everybody else leaves to ask those questions, then they can certainly do so. Right, 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 right. Have you run, run, run into any cases where a person can verbally say what the answer is? 
but when it comes to a written test, they really struggle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> One that comes right to mind is we had this guy at the firehouse that um, he was about as book smart as you can get going through fire science degree. He can name everything off that you'd ever ask him. But when it came to locking off on a ladder, you know, sticking your legs through the rungs and be able to being able to work hands free and you know knock out a window, whatever it is. It took him 15 minutes to get one, you know, both his legs through there. And we're like, what is taking this guy so long? Like he's like a straight A student, but he couldn't put it to, he couldn't put the practicals into play. And so, you know, everybody, everybody learns a little bit differently. So, you know, there's there's gonna be what they call the active learners, which people learn best by getting their hands on stuff and doing things and versus the, you know, the passive or reflective learners that kind of like to just sit back and, you know, take all the information in and, and look at research and look at data and statistics, all those things, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with either one of those things. Everybody has a little preference, but that's things that we have to pick up on. Okay. Is this person more of a passive or reflective learner and they, they can absorb all that knowledge in a classroom, but they're not as great out there getting their hands on until they play around with it a lot more than somebody else has versus, you know, this active learner may be in the classroom kind of dozing off or joking around, and then they go out there, put them on a forklift, and then they're, you know, the best forklift operator you've ever seen. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I could think of a time a long, long time ago where we had a person who just could not pass a written test, but you could you could talk to them, and they would, would say the right answer every time. So every so often, you just run into that person. And sometimes, of course, it's really us who's writing these test questions, of course. We've mm -hmm. just written it in a way that... You know, most people get it, but there's just some who just don't really even understand the question to even try and answer it, too. Yeah, and we, and you know, sometimes we get to, like, especially like we're going over the test answers. You know, like I, what I'll do is, you know, I'll, I'll have everybody grade, you know, complete their tests, and then I'll go through the questions and have them self grade their own tests. And if I start getting people saying, "Oh, that was a trick question," I start getting a bunch of people say, "Oh, that was a trick question. That that should be cueing in my mind." Maybe I need to go back and reword this answer, reword this question to where it makes more sense. Right, 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 right. Um, let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk about people who don't have English as a common, not common. Uh, I'm sorry, as a very first, very first language. Um, how do you how do you tackle those um, those different cases there, where a person speaks well enough English to get along in society and get a, a license and work? Uh, but maybe it's not 100% uh, proficient out there. Yeah, so, you know, I, I try to, again, plan those things out ahead of time. So, you know, if I'm working with a customer, I usually always ask, is everybody in the class going to be, you know, fluent in English or English speaking? Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what other language you're speaking, if it's if it's Spanish or Italian or whatever other language it is, we need to we need to figure those things out. Um, you know, if if possible, I've had situations where I brought a translator in you know, I worked, I worked at a company before that had a translation translator service that because they, they had 36, 37 different nationalities and all kinds of different languages. So they use that very well. Um, so, I mean, that would be the preferred method, but I actually ran into this, um, I guess a few months ago teaching a fall protection class and got back in the back of the class. There were some uh, uh, Spanish speaking individuals and like you said, they speak fluent enough English to kind of get by and they, you know, have a full conversation with them. But it's getting like in, it got down to like the wording of the question, how the words are actually structured was what was confusing them. And right. they, one of them asked me you know, and, and, you know, one of the, the individuals was 
was very fluent that they were trying to, you know, help the other ones uh, interpret and understand it. But one of the other individuals said, hey, do you have a, a, a test in Spanish? That way we can help understand this a lot, a lot better. And that's things we got to look at. So, you know, I've had a, I've had a, um, you know, sent tests out to, for for services or have a, a translation service come out there and translate my test for me on a few topics because, you know, I, I can speak enough Spanish to get me in trouble. You know, I dealt with it at the firehouse in, in our particular district, but, you know, I'm not fluent, especially with, with the safety lingo that we use, right? So I'm going to edit that goes back to like our basic OSHA outreach training. They'll, they'll talk about using translation services and making sure that they're not just, you know, for example, Spanish speaking, but they're Spanish speaking and understand, you know, the jargon and lingo that we use in the safety industry and how to, right. how it directly translates to that. Um, so if we can do the planning ahead of time and at least identify there's other languages being present, like I said, ideally the, the best go to be have a translator, but that's not always feasible for, you know, financial reasons or just, logistically wise it's not always the most feasible option so if possible you know if sometimes you can rely on those you know other fellow classmates to be interpreters and they can help them out with that but you know again there may be situations to where um maybe you need to do need to send your test out if you know it's going to be ahead of time send the test out to get translated and then have a somebody that, of that language review it beforehand before you actually issue it out review that to say hey can you go through this test and make sure it makes sense and it's not you know, they didn't translate it, have a word or two off because that can make all the difference when you're translated from one right. to the next. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, well, Drew, this has been fantastic. We are uh, bump, bumping up on our uh, time here. Uh, do you have any uh, uh, closing closing thoughts for the uh, for the gang? Yeah, I'll just say, um, you know, when we're doing training as a trainer, you know, make sure that we are, you know, evaluating ourselves. We're not just evaluating the students, right? So there's a few topics out there, you know, especially like the forklift. You know, we talked about forklift a few times. There's a letter of interpretation or standard interpretation out there about, you know, who is a qualified or who can actually do the, they were referring to evaluations, but training as well. And kind of in a nutshell, they said, if you haven't been there, done that, you can't train. You know, they were giving an example of, you know, if you're operating, if you're, if you haven't, operated a forklift with that specific attachment on there, then you're not qualified to evaluate other people operating that specific attachment. And so I think we need to just, uh, you know, evaluate ourselves personally. You know, like I said, we get in the habit of evaluating and telling people whether they're doing it right or wrong, but we, we forget to look at ourselves internally and say, am I still qualified to do this? Maybe I was qualified before and I'm not now. So just continue to develop yourself, make sure that we are, uh, if there's something you're not competent or, or qualified to teach, just make sure we admit that. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean you can't better yourself and go out there and, and become a better trainer, learn about that topic and become qualified in the future. But just make sure that we're, again, evaluating ourselves. That's right. That's right. Very, very good, Drew. So how can people find you out there? All over social media. Uh, you can find us on our, on our our company's website. You can find us on there, aerosafetyus.com. But LinkedIn is usually my my go-to most active website. So you can go on there, find me on there. And I'll you got questions or concerns or anything like that feel free to reach out i'll be glad to help you out fantastic drew thank you thank you so much for joining us today okay Absolutely. folks thank episode you. 59 done uh, everybody have a great day and thank you for joining me today